Holy One, in your image, you have created humankind in great diversity. We give thanks for our differences. We watch in horror as power desecrates black and brown bodies, walks on their sacredness, kills and subjugates in thousands of ways, hidden and overt. Grant us hearts that listen and learn. Grant us courage to disassemble the systems, the stories, the mythos that privilege whiteness over all others. Give us your spirit's wind to call out racism in all its forms. Give us the strength, the wisdom, and the will to root out white fragility and white supremacy so that they would never again do harm, never again take away, never again kill. God of all creation, bless us all with what we need to march on, to live this work of anti-racism today, every day, always. May it be so. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. Can you all hear me? Okay, awesome. Um, well, oh, that's my face. Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kelsey Rio. Um, my husband, Matt, and I started coming to Hope Gateway in January of this year. So I'm sure my uh, face is new for many of you. Um, I was asked to speak with you all this morning about my experience participating in the anti-racist study group that occurred this spring at Hope Gateway. And what I wanted to talk about today is an issue that is directly related to my decision to participate in and my learnings from being a part of this study group. And that issue is how do we as people and as community keep moving forward and fighting against the seemingly unsolvable problem. You know, as the song says, how much longer do we wait and how do we wait? How do we keep faith and hope in the midst of fear and despair? And I think um, we've all felt a lot of fear and despair this year, maybe particularly maybe just in the past few days. Um, you know, while I desperately want to be a part of the solution, I often feel so overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of racism and its impact on our society. But I know that if we want to bring about the change we want to see in the world, we need to figure out how to keep pushing. Because continuing to fight even in the face of overwhelming adversity is the only way we will make this a movement instead of a moment. And so I wanted to start off today by looking at what scripture says. And James 1 verses 2 through 4 states, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I love this verse in this context because it helps level set my expectations in moments of struggle. I know that if I want true change, it will come only through endurance and it will not come without pain or adversity. And my job is to accept that as part of the path. However, I have come to find it is much more difficult to actively live out this call to action. And so today I wanted to share with you all three lessons or areas of focus that I reach for and actively practice in an attempt to stay the path, even when the temptation to give in to despair and fear feels impossible to ignore. In these times, I find myself returning to these three ideas. And so the first one is letting go. And for me, it is specifically about letting go of control. I am by nature a problem solver. I like to see the world in tidy boxes and break down problems into 10-step solutions. And when faced with a problem that does not fit in my nice worldview, I tend to spiral. And me spiraling looks like this. I spend a good amount of time obsessively reading and learning because the answer must be in a book or at least on Google. And yes, I am a millennial and I stand by that. But <laughs> and when that all fails me, I shut down. I want to crawl in bed and hide under the covers I feel completely paralyzed. So for me, a first important step was accepting this reality, accepting that there were problems, 
that were larger than myself or any one person, um, that anything I said or did was not going to solve this problem. You know, racism, racism isn't a problem we can solve with 10-step solutions. Um, but this didn't mean I shouldn't do anything. So by choosing to let go of the things that I cannot control, and you know, this is something, it's not a once and done. It's like every single day I try. But like if once I choose to let go of those things I cannot control, it gives me the room to focus on what I can control. And so that leads me into the second point, which is what I'm calling remaining present. And I want to share this quote with you first um, from Barbara Brown Taylor from her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark. She says, well, those who are frightened by the primal energy of dark emotions try to avoid them becoming more and more cut off from the world at large. Those who are willing to wrestle with angels break out of their isolation by dirtying their hands with the emotions that rattle them the most. And you know, during my participation in the study group, I came to realize that being able to tune out or disengage when things get too uncomfortable or too much is really a privilege. As a white person, I had to confront the fact that it is easy for me to say it is all too much because in reality, my daily life is not overtly impacted by racism. In fact, if I'm being honest with myself, my privilege and power that comes with being white while moving and living in the society is rooted in the oppression of others. And it's difficult to sit with and acknowledge that situation, but it is my responsibility to not turn away, but to continue to tune in, to listen, and to lift up the voices of marginalized individuals and communities. And I'm not advocating for the need to be doing, listening, or achieving 24-7. If we are to accomplish real change, we have to realize it is a lifelong pursuit. And the focus then needs to be on sustaining and finding a balance between rest and action. Finding ways to stay engaged while not becoming overwhelmed. Because if I want to move forward into action, I need to know when and how and why, and that is only achieved by continuing to listen and engage and prepare. And it's hard. <laughs> And so that brings us into our third point, um, which I'm calling answering the call to action. And, and you'll see I have a lot of quotes in this because like I said, I read a lot because that's where the answers are. Um, and so this one is from Valerie Kaur in her book, See No Stranger, A Memoir and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love. I highly recommend you read it if you have not. Um, she writes, you don't have to know the answers. You just have to be ready for the moment when the world says, now, um, this is something I struggle potentially with the most. Um, I often feel the need that if I'm not doing everything, I'm not doing enough. And that's that panic spirals until I feel incapable of doing anything. And I've spent a lot of time working with these feelings. And what I've found helps the most is what Valerie suggests is to be ready and open for the call. And for me, this started with participating in the study group. Um, I was really nervous to join the study group. Like I said, I just joined Hope Gateway at the beginning of the year and I don't know many people. Um, and participating in this study group 
required a level of vulnerability that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, but participating in the group was such a blessing and the people and, uh, that are part of the church and that were part of the group are so welcoming and so loving and understanding. And because I participated in the, in the group, it gave me the confidence to speak up more. And so that led to me speaking up at work during a large work meeting with 40 of my colleagues about white privilege and what that meant for us and how we could work to overcome it. Um, and it, it, it led to me saying yes to this and speaking to all of you, um, which I most certainly would not have ever believed I would have done six months ago. So, um, you know, sometimes the actions feel small, but I can feel myself growing towards something larger. And that's all we can really do because this is this is a marathon it's not a sprint and so we have to we have to realize how we move forward at a steady and sustainable pace and so in conclusion these areas of focus are lessons i have to choose to lean into sometimes on a daily basis sometimes on an hourly basis and and oftentimes i fail but i know that the work is long. And so I just continue to try to do my best to let go of control, to listen and engage and be ready to go when the world says now. And in closing, I'd like to leave you with this quote by Stephen Charleston. He is a Native American elder, author and retired Episcopal Bishop. This actually comes from his Facebook page. I highly recommend following him if you don't. He writes, there is a spiritual name for what we have been going through over the last few months. Every religion has it in one form or another, but in general, it is called a time of testing. It is not a punishment from heaven, but a time we have actually created for ourselves. A time when our ability to practice what we preach is stretched to the limit. Like a valley of dried bones, we are faced with the realities of our own making. The test is to be faithful, to be true to what we believe, to be better than we thought we could be. This spirit will be with us, but this is a moment we must confront, endure, and finally overcome ourselves. We must pass this test of faith, not by strength alone, but by a patient trust in what we have always said we believe. We have had the training, now the test, now we test how well it works. Hi, I'm Ophelia Hukini. Um, I'm the worship coordinator here at Hope Gateway. First, thank you so much, Kelsey, for that galvanizing call and a really um, beautiful message. Um, can't wait to talk to you more about it after service sometime. Um, this song, I'm gonna put the lyrics, I'm gonna try to put the lyrics in the chat. Oh, need more volume. Me? Okay, I'll do my best. Um, I'm going to put the lyrics here in this chat box. Um, you might recognize a lot of the lyrics as similar to um, the hymn, Oh Sacred Head Now Wounded. And the song was done by Porter's Gate, uh, a collaboration of Christian um, artists 
musicians. And I hope that this song evokes our imagination and the similarities between the ways in which we continue to persecute black and brown people and the ways in which Jesus is persecuted. So the part where our imagination needs to kick in is parsing out um, when we are addressing our kin and their marginalization and oppression and um, when the narrator then shifts to talk about um, Jesus's oppression and his execution. Oh, sacred neck now, press down my blows and this Yeah. 